You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game podcast. This is Fair Game number 309. Today's guest is an accomplished magician having entertained not only at fairs and festivals across our country, but for major resorts and theme parks, including the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida. He joins us today from Florida, folks. This is Dennis Freeba, but you probably know him as Cardenny. Dennis, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. So real quick, Dennis Freeba is the real name. Cardenny is the stage name. What's the origin of the stage name? How'd you come up with it? Um... It was more of a, a shield at first. It was the reason for it, like something to kind of like hide behind. And then as you grow as a, as a human and as a character and developing that, um, it becomes something that you work through. So um, the name came from just m- me and the way my personality is um, matched with um the way that I do my magic and um, other characters that are familiar to us. So um, a magician friend of mine had shown me once um, a video of this magician in the forties named Cardini. And he was a character. He wasn't just a guy doing magic tricks and, or card tricks or cigarette tricks or whatever he was doing. Um, it was a whole story that he kind of came out with. He was like this drunken man that was befuddled by these things happening to him. And it reminded my friend of how I would always slide into the magic shop like Kramer. Like it was just always like, like everything's happening to me. You you do kind of have that Kramer-esque vibe about you. Yeah. So (laughs) um, he was like, this guy, I think you're going to like this because he's kind of like you. And I was like, oh. And then uh, you start to see the similarities and things. And um, yeah, and that's kind of where it came from. So it was Car Denny, you know, I'm Dennis and that's the Denny. And then uh, I did for a very early part of my career do a Cardini tribute act. So um, kind of learning and understanding that character through um, mimicry or copying. Um, I didn't do his act exactly. I did certain sequences of it, but it was the character that was the understanding to um, be a silent act and to still connect to the audience with something beyond like, look how cool I am. Right. You know, which there's nothing wrong with that. I, you know, a lot of times I'm jealous of those people because I can't do what they're doing. Um, so I just rely on, on, character and, and acting more than well tell us a little bit about tricks. that show that that you've built the cardeni character around what it, you know what kind of magic are you doing is it all is it stage illusion is it close up what can a fair expect from a cardeni experience oh well that's exactly that uh, i i want to create an experience you know i want to like be in there with the people and we're doing this together i can do that from a stage very easily and that's actually my favorite way to do it because you have a lot more energy that you can harness and then distribute back into the room. You know, um, I'm a very energy-based person. Um, I like to do things that um, people will recognize, do things with candy bars. You know, people will think of a candy bar, the candy bar appears. You know, it's something that plays very big. The whole like room can hear that and you see the candy bar coming out of like a cone of paper. 
Um, I do a, a, a Rubik's cube blindfolded. You know, everyone knows what the Rubik's cube is. Everyone knows the frustration behind it and how difficult it is, you know? Sure. So I try to do relatable things that, uh, that people, people aren't familiar with. Look at this strange looking cabinet here. And why is there a woman inside of it? Yes. And why does it have the paint job on it that it's got like silver flashy paint on the, on the edges and a lightning bolt down the middle. Yeah. None of it makes right. sense. But you know, that stuff has its place. And I, I enjoy that stuff as well. You know, um, it just doesn't fit in the, in the realm of what, what I do and what I am and how I naturally place myself in the world. I want to force something, you know, I've, I've done those things and I've tried those things. And there was just always something that didn't connect for me um, without making it feel like now I'm doing David Copperfield show because right. he figured out how to make that kind of stuff really connect with people. You know, it right. was a play. Yes. <laughs> I've often said that David Copperfield is not the greatest illusionist, but one of the greatest storytellers. Cause that's what he did is he told stories that connected and resonated with people and, yeah. and pulled their heartstrings. Yeah. He's got some chops though, man. <laughs> he's got some chops for sure. Thank for sure. So you're doing fairs and festivals. Um, mm -hmm. How many fairs would you say you're doing in a year? Um, usually around, uh, well, before uh, yeah, pre-COVID pre like, in a in a non-pandemic year, <laughs> probably like four a year, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was also contracted elsewhere. You know, I was doing right. lots of shows at at uh, Disney World and corporate events and things like that. Yeah, so, I wanted to get to that because uh, you know you were doing you know several nights a week at Disney's Boardwalk Resort. I know I'd seen you down there several times, and you've been working for the company for a while. And then you look back at 2020, everything gets canceled and somewhere in there, Disney pulls the plug on all of their entertainment. And I'm guessing that caught you as well. Is that true? Oh, uh, I was done almost immediately. It yeah. wasn't even like when that happened, like <laughs> it was like, wow, those people got to hold on for that long. You know, um, once, uh, once it got really, really serious, um, you know, they're like, Hey, you can come in or you can stay home. <laughs> that was like for like a day, they said that. And then the next right. day they were like, um, yeah, nobody's here and just go ahead and, and stay home. Let's figure this out. And then the next day it was, all right, so we're going to cancel your contract and we'll honor it to this point. But after that it's done, you know? So they gave a specific point that they honor, honored it to. Right. Um, and then after that, it was, uh, you're on your own. I mean, we'll, if we decide to have you back, you know, we'll, we'll call you, you know, we right. hope to have you back. And everyone thought it was going to be a lot shorter than it was, I think, you know, that's for sure. Um, and so at this point, I'm not sure if I, you know, I, I doubt that I'm on the priority list of, well, let's see what Cardenny's doing now that people <laughs> are getting vaccinated, you know, <laughs> Um, so, you know, I just have to continue focusing and moving forward with, uh, with, with my life, yeah. <laughs> my show. Well, I mean, that's a, but that's yeah. a direct hit that you took not only for the, you know, the independent grounds entertainers, but every entertainer on that property from any show, whether you are in Fantasmic or whatever show yeah. you were in one of Disney's, you know, licensed shows or, or something like you out at the boardwalkers or like a streetmosphere kind of thing. Everybody was out of the pool. Yeah. Um, now that parks have started reopening, um, 
is there any words that entertainment starting to get going again? Do you feel like that's something that might be coming back for you here soon? Uh, you know, I think, I think it is. And like I said, I don't, I don't know what their priority list is because I, you know, I don't know their business, <laughs> but, uh, I feel like they took a substantial financial hit. So I think it's going to be a while before, before that happens. And who knows, they might have already connected with someone else and be like, ah, we're done with that Cardeni guy, you know? Right. Um, and you know, whatever, rightfully so, you know, they're allowed to change their mind. I was eight years there, eight years, you know, and I knew that eventually this time would come. And so during that eight year period is when I started, um, getting into the fair industry and trying to understand that. Yeah. Because it, I'm a, I'm a person that, uh, I, I can't just like wait with my hand out, you know, it's like, Hey, is anybody got any jobs or whatever? I have to go find these jobs. I have to, I have to promote myself. I have to talk to people. I have to perform. I have to do all those things, you know, and some of those things are a catch 22. You can't do one without the other, but when can you get the one to do the other? Yes. Um, Well, I think it was smart that you started kind of branching and spreading out when you did, you know, back in 2007, when I lived in Florida and I was eager to, to do my magic act before I kind of segued out and started doing the Condor fortune machine. And I was eager to work with, with Disney and with the theme parks and, um, did very little bit of work with them and some, um, private work, uh, private, you know, corporate events at, at SeaWorld. But a good friend of mine who lives down there in Florida, Tony Brent, who does the out of control magic show at, at Wonderworks mm-hmm. there on I drive. Um, he and I have known each other for 20 years and he, he gave me really solid advice at that point. He said, listen, working for Disney's great, but don't put all your eggs in Disney's basket. And I think you found that out. And I'm glad you were starting to, can, can you imagine waiting if you'd waited until Disney pulled the plug and you said, well, I'm going to try the fairs now. I mean, you know how long it takes yeah. to really get traction in the market. Yeah. I mean, I started in the fair market. Um, I want to say like a very long time ago, really, because I, I, I became a member of Florida federations and I, I got the, the book with all the addresses and I was like, all right, so this, this is what I'm dealing with. You know, this is this world. And like, you're looking at it and you're trying to grasp it. And then it's like, well, like, yes, <laughs> you contact them one at a time, you know? So yes. I sent out postcards and did that run. And, uh, I got, I got a call, you know, I got an email and that was the beginning of that. And that was, um, at the Collier County fair. Yeah. And Ron kept telling me, he's like, you gotta go to the convention, man. He's like, gotta go to the convention. Yep. I'm like, yeah, I I don't know. And I I didn't understand that world. You know, I was still like, uh, what what does that all mean? And, um, and then I, I worked with him for a couple years and then it was, um, I was very busy with, with so many projects I was doing and it was Disney and it had Legoland. I mean, I was working a lot. Um, and then it w- it got to that point where I became comfortable and that's when I was like, okay, this is not going to be here forever. <laughs> and that was about uh, probably four or five years into my eight year run at yeah. the boardwalk. And that's when I, um, even uh, even early before that, I started studying acting as well, uh, heavily um, beyond what I was doing just for the, the magic show. And uh, so I was branching out into all these different areas. And, uh, you know, you 
you're always naive when you get into a new thing and you just think you're going to rock it. You're like, I'm going to rock this thing, you know? And, but you and, do some acting uh, too. I mean, so tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about yeah, um, well, that was, um, the acting was always within me, uh, a desire within me because of the uh, Robert Houdin quote, um, a magician is an actor playing the part of a magician. Right. And so I was like, oh, well, that means I have to be an actor. And that makes sense. I understand why he says that. And so I studied it independently on my own very early on. But when you don't have a teacher or coach for that, there's certain things about that art that are just going to be completely like, if you don't have the right material in your hand, even to read, you're just like, I have no idea what what they're talking about. Um, And it wasn't until I moved to Florida um, and got into the the theme park circuit um, and talked to all the actors. I mean, hey, what do I have to do? Where do I learn this stuff? And how do I start getting these jobs? And they said, you just got to go audition. That's what you have to do. So I started to learn how to audition. I started taking acting classes and uh, I realized very quickly how it went hand in hand with my show and my performances. And so every time I learned something, it, it, it got put into my magic show. You know, of course, my auditions and things that I was doing as well. But the, the objective was always to be a better magician. And um, as soon as things started connecting, I noticed a difference in the response from people um, in my performances. Uh, because now I was physically and mentally and spiritually on all levels connecting with people and not just speaking into like a void, you know, right. and like, look at me, I'm a blah, blah, blah. And this thing now is this thing, but really having an engagement with people, you know, you look at someone and, you know, I have my script that I stick to, but someone's doing something ridiculous or funny. I'm, I'm going to call on to it. I'm going to have a, an energy exchange with them. Right. And I so try to make that energy exchange as fun as possible. That's the part that's fun. The magic I take a little bit more serious, but it's the interaction with the people that has to just be fun. So as you got, as you started working on your acting side better, it ceased to become, here's this magician doing a trick, turning, you know, oh, is, you know, is this your card? Right. Or here's Cardeni. Turning one now thing into another. This guy. Now it was about the, you know, the overall engagement and experience with the audience and not just for the audience, but for you as well. And the exchange right. of that. Cool. Right. Well, uh, you know, the acting thing's cool. I had forgotten at some point you had a guest spot on the, uh, is it Netflix on Cobra Kai? Is that where it is? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had a, a couple different ones. Um, actually during uh, the pandemic, they came out. Um, Cobra Kai was one of them. I think it's the 10th episode. Yeah, um, I remember I was, it was Sarah got into that show. I never like I watched the Karate Kid when I was younger and like I remember some of the lines and whatnot, you know, wax on, wax right. off. But I never really I never really had a connection to the movie. It was just well, it was one of those movies I watched when I was a kid. And then she got me watching some of it and I was like, yeah, it's OK. And then all of a sudden we're watching this episode and Sarah and Nate both must be more observant because I'm just watching the actors. And all of a sudden they're like, wait is that Cardenny? <laughs> I'm like, wait, that, <laughs> what? Back it up. And I go back and I look and I'm like, well, son of a God, it is him. I forgot he mentioned that he was going to do this. So they, yeah, Nate was all stoked because he was watching the show like, I know that guy. <laughs> he was all excited about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, um, I wasn't very public about that one because I wasn't sure if I was going to make the cut because the way the scene is written, like they didn't need to see my face. Like it didn't have to be a part of it at all. So I was very like hush hush about it. I think we're getting a little delayed. Well, the thing was, mine had to be there because it had to. Is, is that better? Hang on just a second. Hang on. I'm going to switch, see if I can turn the Wi-Fi off and go to a hard line. This is life in the uh, Zoom podcast world. This may be me. Like I have just the worst reception at my house. Okay. And the we'll, Wi-Fi does not reach very far sometimes. We'll, we'll try to, we'll just, we'll go with it. Yeah. So I, right. I was just saying that Nate was totally excited that he was like, I know that guy. Like I know who that yeah. is on my TV. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I, I was so quiet about it. And I was actually at a show um, in uh, Fort Myers. It was the first show I had booked of the year. And it was a private event for a 50th birthday. And it was like, I had to drive down to Fort Myers and it was this whole, like this whole thing. It was this big ordeal for these people. And for me, I'm like, I'm not performing. Can I still do this? You know? And after the show, I get a call from my friend uh, in Tennessee, my friend, Nick, he says, uh, he says, man, I thought we were friends. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I thought we were the kind of friends that if you were on an awesome show like Cobra Kai, that you would tell me. <laughs> he just like starts screaming. <laughs> I was like, you know why I didn't tell you? Because of the way you're acting right now, you know, like wow. he was just like so excited. You know, it was like the, the top of his world for that. That was uh, well, and I could really see cool. how you would be hesitant just because that scene easily could have ended up on the cutting room floor because they could have shot it and, you know, it had an angle mm-hmm. and a cut on it. You wouldn't have even been in it like and you even had a speaking line. You ordered something from the waitress. You're it's a if you all listen in, if you haven't seen the show, uh, it's Cobra Kai. It's like the you know, the, the next generation of the karate kid is kind of the, the deal. And they're in a restaurant. The two main characters are in a restaurant. And, and at the table behind them, Dennis and and it's his on screen significant other, I guess, are sitting at a restaurant ordering lunch. <laughs> and it's just. It's like one line. I don't know what you ordered. Do you remember what you ordered? Do you remember what the line was? Um, I'll take the uh, turmeric cauliflower with coconut yogurt and uh, sliced carrots. That's what you ordered? I believe so. It's funny <laughs> I that I even say, remember that. I was going to say, I told Sarah, I said, you know, I know Dennis watches his diet really closely. I bet what he's ordering has nothing to do with his diet. But if that's what it was, maybe it didn't work out. That sounds like something you do. Yeah, I did have some dietary restrictions for a while. And it's funny. Everybody was like, dude, they cast the perfect person. Because <laughs> um, like that used to used to be me for a while. Luckily, now I've balanced out my body a little bit. And uh, dairy yeah. and uh, eggs aren't that big of a deal anymore. But it's just it's wild yeah, to me that for such a for and not not to take anything away from you, but for like you say, an insignificant part for an extra in a show. You were just in the background ordering lunch that you had no other impact on the storyline. Normally you don't get that. Normally the extras are just kind of looking at each other, pretending to have a conversation with each other and all the focus. Well, that's the the thing. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not considered an extra. Um, I'm considered a principal actor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a principal actor. So um, So background and extras. Got it. Um, don't have lines. And sometimes they get bumped and they'll be like a featured one and then they'll get maybe a line, but that's completely different than what I do. Like I audition for that part with that line. 
right and so with they, all of that right yeah they, so it's they, like i get to see me that they wrote that whole thing into the script for that for an actor who ended up being you mm-hmm. when they it just it you know it's a little those little details that well the reason that it worked it was the the, the reason that that works is because they need him to be able to impress the girl that he's about to meet. And so he wants to show that he's like this grown up man, this changed man. And so he's like, that guy looks like he's got his stuff together. What's he ordering? He's been here before. I've never eaten at a restaurant like this. I'm nervous about meeting the girl. And then he hears what I'm saying. He's like, Ooh, that sounds impressive. And then when he goes to order, he tries to order what I ordered. And then she looks at him weird and she's like, wait, what? And he's like, Never mind. I'll take the burger. And she goes, ah, there's the guy I know. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, so that's, so it that's did set what it, it the is. scene. Yes. It, it said it, but yes. it's very subtle. Cause you would think they could have accomplished that mm-hmm. entirety of that scene without that part. And yet that little well, that's subtlety. Of, yeah. That little yeah. subtlety of, of your line set the scene. Set yeah. The I, I have not seen the show in, in um, any sort of like magnitude. Um, but my friend Nick, he really appreciates the show and he loves it because um, it, in a fun way, he says it explains the other side of the story. You know, Johnny was always the bad guy in the movies, right. but here he's kind of the hero, right? Which is like the bad guy never thinks they're a bad guy. Yeah. You know, everyone just has an objective and has a life history and something is opposing that, that force, you know? So it's like, well, and you know, there's still the lifelong argument on the karate kid of whether or not the kick was legal or illegal. So in the, in the original one, right. The, what swan kick or whatever they called it. I don't even know. I don't like, I'm not a karate guy with a crane kick. Is that what it was? You would know. I don't know. It's just called the crane. I think. Yeah. And I just look at it and I'm like, how does that work? Cause you got the dude standing there in some wacky position. Like, you know, what's about to happen. You should be able to block that. Hollywood, right? It's Hollywood. Right. So listen, you ever had somebody like come up to you and start doing something weird and you're like, whoa, dude, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. But if somebody came and stood with their arms out up, balanced up on one foot, I'd just be like, what are you? What? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Anyhow, it's Hollywood. What can we say? Uh, listen, so we just saw each other at Florida convention. It was nice to be back in touch with everybody and, and congregating together again. How'd the convention go for you? Uh, The convention went really well. Um, I even got to uh, perform during the gala show doing some uh, strolling magic. And that was really fun. You know, it's just been really nice um, from where I was to where we went and to where we are now, you know, um, performing all the time. And like I said, knowing I'm taking it a little for granted, this is not going to always be like this. And then it's away. And then it's like, what a relief. Like I get a break. I've been working so much. And then it's like, now when I get the chance to perform, it's like, it's exhilarating. You know, it's like, which tells me that I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm not doing something that doesn't excite me or that I, I still have a passion for it. And, and the muscles still work, you know? Yeah, that was hard. My first trip back into the, the fortune machine at the uh, the week before I came down for Florida convention last week, April, first week of May was over in Arizona. And uh, I got to tell you what, it was uncomfortable because mm. getting back in one, I still got my I gained my COVID weight and I haven't lost it yet. So I, I don't fit in the fortune machine the way I did 18 <laughs> months ago. But it just was it was I mean, it was really fun to be back in. I was happy to be back in. 
but things just felt awkward. Like I didn't have my flow, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. literally all I'm doing is hand, being goofy and handing out fortune cards. So I'm really looking forward to getting out to OC fair because that's a nice long 23 day run that should, you know, I'm guessing by day five or six, I'll be like, Oh yeah, I got it. We're, we're cruising again. But did you find yeah. that when you, when you first, have you gone back out and done a full fair yet? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was at citrus County fair and that was so great. You know, did you find um, yourself sluggish when you first, like the first day where you like you're off on a joke, your timings off, you weren't quite there. Um, not so much. I found myself remembering things like, Oh, that's right. This is what I'm supposed to do here. You know? And then like knowing that next time that is what, I'm supposed to do the thing is I just did the show so much mm -hmm. that I, I was afraid I wasn't going to remember it. But when I did that first show in, in Fort Myers, um, it was like, I was like, am I still going to be able to do this? And <laughs> the minute I started, I was just like, I was back yeah. and everything just went the way it always went. And I just knew where to go and what, you know, um, Sure, I think there was probably a little bit of lag, but it, it was more of just excitement to be around people. You know, even at the convention, going through the the, the trade show and you know all the, the dinners and breakfasts and all the yes. the parties and stuff. It was just nice to be around people and to like just be doing things again. You know, God, I tell you what, just being able to. I didn't even want to stay in my room. You know, usually I find some time when because those conventions get. For me a little bit of sensory overload and so i'll take yeah. an hour or something in the evening before dinner or right after dinner instead of being out late and and hanging out with everybody at the president's party or whatnot i i would you know a lot of times i'd cut out early just to pace myself this time i was up every night until like 2 a.m <laughs> i was just like i missed everybody yeah. i want to be hanging out with everybody <laughs> yeah it was a good time so what's the rest of your 21 look like now you got yeah that's um, great are your are your twenty twenty fairs that canceled? Have they rebooked? Um, well, there was never anything officially booked yet for twenty twenty. That was oh, the thing. There was process. like a bunch of like kind of words out. I was like process, and then everything just like everything just shut down. You know. Yeah. Um, and now it's just like now we're in in that process again. I'm working with uh, J International Management now. Yeah. And so it's been uh, a process also to, to get that relationship um, going and moving forward, you know? Um, so anytime you're working with someone new, there's that of like learning each other, you know? And so we talk on the phone three times a week, you know, sometimes it's uh, sure. just like, Hey, so here's what I was thinking about this. You're all done thinking about that. And so now it becomes like this, this other person on the team. And that's so great. That's so exciting that someone's actually in my corner as a, as a team member and not just like I'm a number on a page or on a website or something, you know, this is a, this is an actual like relationship that I carry on with people. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad you're, uh, I'm glad you're getting some, you know, you got an agent now and, and I know Jane does a great job getting the, uh, the robo cars booked everywhere. I just had Jeremiah on. Mm -hmm. it, man he's such a fun uh, guy. yeah he is so, and i know you guys were together because jane's representing both you guys um at, at florida convention he's just a good dude man you know you when you first when i first met him i just remember looking at this guy going here's this tall dude that with like the crazy hair going on and he was just 
full of energy. He was absolutely yeah. full of energy. I look at him. I'm, if I could have, and granted, I'm older than he is. I'm I'm an old man compared to him. But if I could have a quarter of his energy, I'd be good to go for life. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, he's okay. definitely uh he's definitely a fun guy to hang around. For sure. I'm curious if you could go back, and I know this isn't that long ago for you, but if you could go back and give 18-year-old Dennis some advice, what would you tell him? Hang on, homie. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hold your breath, dude. It's going to get crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I would probably tell myself to be um, a little more patient uh, and yeah, I think that would probably be it. I think I was a little impatient around that time. And if I would have had a little more patience and maybe uh, discipline in uh, one or more other directions beyond what I was doing, I, I think that would have helped me out. Your answer is not unique on this show. I wish I wish I could say it was, but I would say the same thing. The number of people that talk about, I'd be more patient because they, especially as they get older and you're not all that old Mm -hmm. yet. You're still a kid compared to me, but the patience thing, I tell you, I look back on my life and I'm like, I was, I was in a hurry to do what? Like, right. just take your time. Life is going to happen, right? The, this earth is spinning at its own speed. There's nothing we're doing to make it go faster or slower. Like, just enjoy your life. Um, you know, the, and it's, it's ironic because in some ways, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but it's interesting. You know, I talk about two of the best bits of advice I ever got for business came from um, another guy who was a magician, illusionist for a while, Steve Klein out of Ohio. He's got his own production company now. And he said two things. Never read your own or never believe your own press. And it takes 20 years to be an overnight success. And I never realized yeah. what he really said was, was saying was be patient. You're not going to, there's not going to be a trick or a gig that you book tomorrow or I book tomorrow that all of a sudden, boom, that's it. We've got millions right. of adoring. It's just not going to work that way. Everything that's going to happen. That's good in life. It takes a long time to build. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that um, once I hit the 20-year mark of being a magician was when I started to feel like I was actually a magician. Before that, I I felt like I was still trying to be a magician. (laughs) And then I was like, no, I'm a magician now. Now I'm a magician. And then I'd have one night that was just like, oh, I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not even close to being a magician, (laughs) And you know? But I had more days of I'm a magician versus like struggling to find my my path and my way. And uh, Sanford Meisner, a great acting uh, teacher and actor, said uh, it takes 20 years to become an actor, like a professional mm-hmm. actor. And um, I remember one of the acting classes that um, that I took. I actually still study with him now, Russ Blackwell, um, phenomenal, phenomenal actor and phenomenal teacher. Um, but he's like, why are you here? You know, that's always one of the questions that you get in an acting class. You know, why are you here? What, what do you want to do? Like, what's your objective here? Are you trying to look for fame or are you trying to become an actor? Because it's two different things. What's your motivation? <laughs> you know? Right, right. And then, you know, I just explained that I, you know, want to, 
understand acting because I want to be a, a better magician. And I, um, and the two work hand in hand and I, I'm really enjoying acting itself, just the, the process of it. And, uh, I'm like, I'm just now feeling like I'm becoming a magician. So I know that I have still a long ways to go. You know, I've only been studying for 10 years. And then I just remember him going, yeah, remember that <laughs> he's like, remember that. Yeah. And then he kind of like made, that as an example, he's like, remember how long it took you for your magic thing. Now, remember that when you're doing the acting stuff, don't ever forget that. You know, it's like, it's funny. He's that, right. You know, I kind of take that parallel just to being an adult, forget being a magician or being an entertainer, or being a successful business, mm-hmm. just being an adult. Cause I remember growing up when I was a kid, um, I remember, I remember my dad when he was my age and I thought, man, he's 40. He's old he's finished like he's like he's old and now we are just so much so substantially younger i think than our parents were and i our our children when they're 40 will be substantially younger than we are um but i just i remember getting into my 20s and going all right i'm an adult and then i turned 30 and i realized i didn't know anything in my 20s (laughs) and then i turned 40 and i'm like all right, my 30s were pretty good. I started to get it together. And somewhere in the last two years after turning 40, I finally was like, okay, I feel like an adult now. It took me 40 years to feel like an adult. All these other people, oh yeah, I'm an adult at 18. No, you're a kid. Right. You are a kid at 18 yeah. still. You know, it's just, there's a maturing process. And I think that's probably what goes on with the acting thing. Or like you said, I'm a magician now there's there's a growth and a, a, a maturing process that happens where all of a sudden i'm guessing having having done magic for a while there's a point where you realized your show has nothing to do with anybody else's show and you quit comparing yourself to other magicians and you focused only on what cardeni was and i'm guessing somewhere in there you exploded with your growth Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really what it was. I think you got that right. It was just a combination of things. It was a combination of not wanting to be like everyone else. So I was like, why am I even concerning myself with it? So focus on what it is that I want, you know, and that was, that's what I did, you know? And um, yeah, I think it's just, it is, it's a, it's a maturity thing. It's a, it's a moment where you realize like, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is how I do it. Right. Well, and, and for me, I think in, on the business side, having been a magician, um, you know, done things, magic, not dissimilar in size from what you do. Um, my maturing process was to realize that um, I like magic, but I was never going to be successful long term in business with it. And I realized that when when Conjurer got suggested at Florida Fairs back in 2011, and I took that chance I realized that I could be an entertainer and I could make people happy and make them laugh and have a fun social engagement with them and give them a moment, give them a memory. And I didn't have to have a deck of cards with me to do it. Like that was the moment where I, for me, I went, I'm an entertainer. What do I need to do to make, to run a business and make people happy and provide a product that's of value to, to a client, to a fair or to a theme park or to whatever. Just the same way you got to the point where you went, no, I am a magician and now I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. I've always really, man, I've really always enjoyed your show. Um, You know, having 
been Disney files ourselves and, and not only lived down in Florida, but, you know, Sarah and I both met working on the Disney college program in, in 2000. I always loved watching the performers at boardwalk or, or Disney Springs or the streetmosphere people. And when it comes to magicians, you were one of the top guys I ever saw down there. You were just so polished. Um, you, I feel like you have those jokes that every magician does and you took a different path. You could like, there's pots, spots in your show where in my head, I say the joke, but you go a different route and you make it yours. You make that show yours. That's what I really like. Yeah. I, I used to do those jokes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and you just have to realize how much they are not you. Um, they're someone else and they've just been someone else's for so long. Right. And they have their time and place. I think, um, I'm not completely void of them because I do believe that there are, there are some great pieces to it, but it can't be forced. It just, it has to be the right moment. And I'm just so, I'm so critical of making sure that things are in the right moment. Right. And maybe that's, maybe it's not so much the joke. Maybe it's what you said that it's forced because you've seen you and I've both seen the magicians where, you know, hold up your hand, know the clean one. And it's like, what? Why is that? You're right. you're trying to force a moment on the audience instead of organically letting something really cool develop between the performer and the audience. Well, the other thing about that particular joke, for instance, is that it's comedy at the expense of the person of the that guest. you've just asked to come stand in front of a bunch of people, which is the number one fear in the world. Yes. <laughs> you yes. just and asked that... someone to join you in the number one fear in the world, and now you're going to make fun of them. Right. You in know, a, and so I try to magician, make sure that's not a thing. As a magician where, you know, the guest knows, oh, God, he's going to embarrass me. He's going to make me look stupid. That's one of the right. reasons that I really – one of my all-time favorite performers is Tony Brent down there at the Out of Control Magic Show because when he does – when there's a joke at someone's expense, it's at his expense. Mm -hmm. And the audience gets real comfortable knowing that, oh, he's not going to make us look like a jackass. He's not going to insult us. He's not going right. to make us, you know, some, you know, a bad Instagram story. Um, and then because he sets the table for his audience like that, when it comes time near the end of his show to do the Sonny and Cher bit and he gets the big, tough, burly guy to be Cher, he is all right. in. Because it's like that, if, you, if he opened with that, like, hey, I'm going to get the big, tough guy and put him in, a, in, a, in Cher and do his Sonny and, Sonny and Cher bit, it wouldn't work. And he and I have talked about that before. Right. It works because he sets the table through his whole show that it makes the audience comfortable to listen. This is all in good fun. We're going to laugh at me. We're going to laugh together. And then by that time, the big tough dude, when he's doing the Sunny and Cher bit, that dude is all in and the audience loses their minds. Right. You know, it's so yeah. important. I, I, I agree with you. The And, and I did it early in, in my magic career. It was the, oh, it's funny to do a joke at the audience's expense. It's not. It's not. And that's part of the maturing process as in developing yeah. that very few performers start on day one going, I'm not going to make my audience look stupid, especially with well, the uh, the thing. The only time that those jokes work is um, if you know how to do it, which I feel like a lot of times just working at Disney, it is, is with a heckler. 
you know, right. um, because what that is, it's now a change of energy. And now people also understand like, oh, he's not a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> he right. does have a side to that. And I don't want to be on that side. Right. But you, you even know? know, having, you know, a long career doing work on the streets, even at, even at Disney, which is a fairly safe environment. It's, you know, it's not like doing, <laughs> uh, you know, some rando fair in the middle of a downtown area that you're like, am I going to get jumped? Like it's Disney. It's pretty or just safe a downtown street, <laughs> downtown street. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like yeah. it's a pretty safe environment. But even then you're dealing with hecklers. But if you're if you're the professional and you know you are in this, you know, you can't drop the one liner to shut the heckler up until you see until the audience is communicating that that heckler is now annoying them. Because if you right. drop the one liner on them too soon, the audience is going to be like, he was just having some fun. Why are you being a jerk? Same thing for comedians at, at, right. uh, at stand up at clubs. You know, you got to wait until the heckler is now pissing off the audience and now the audience is on your side when you drop a little bomb on them. Right. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I participate in the fun. And then once um, it's taking away from what I'm doing and it's becoming their moment, then it's like we are not on script anymore and we're going too far off script. And it's not your job to take us off script. So you have to stop. And then I generally ask nicely, like twice. And then the third time, I, I don't ask nicely anymore. I've, I've asked people to leave, you know, multiple times, you know. Yeah. Um, it's either you or me. One of us is leaving because I don't tolerate that behavior. So, right. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and then they leave and then the whole crowd claps because, right. yeah. Because you got them on your Thank side you. before you kicked them out. <laughs> right. And yeah. it's like, yeah, we're all having a good time. Why are you ruining this, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it takes a, there's some subtleties to it. And, and again, you gotta be patient and working through it. And, um, one of the things that I've always, you know, I've really loved about your show when I've watched over the years is I can tell from watching it. And this, I think is because I was a magician. I can tell that you didn't just go buy tricks at the magic shop and put something and learn it and go, okay, I'm a magician. There's a lot of thought behind what you do behind the words you say, behind your outfit, your image, your, like there's a lot of thought in the creation of who and what Cardeni is. Um, and I think it's terrific. And I wish you all the success in the world with it. With that said, we are just about out of time. Before we go, everyone who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions and you give me your best answer for each. Oh, he's getting stretched out. I see him. He's like moving the shoulder, stretching on. Okay, I'm ready for this. Dennis Freeba, a.k.a. Cardeni, are you ready? Ready. Ready. When you travel, name one item you must have with you. Oh, um, I, I got to have my, my suit. Your suit. I got to have that. Gotta have your yeah, suit. I got to have And that. your custom kicks with, with your printed name on them. Yeah. Oh, they don't make those anymore. I'm so sad. It's sad. It is sad. Okay, next, so we've got to have a seat. Next question, speaking of travel, what's your favorite vacation spot? Ooh, I would say Charleston. I love Charleston and Savannah, those two, those two spots. Nice. iPhone or Android? iPhone. First celebrity crush? First celebrity crush? Um... Was it, uh, oh man, 
um kim basinger i think it was wow back in the day you're throwing it back yeah. right there okay from from batman right she was she was Vicky yep Bale. Yeah. yep yo yes yes dennis how old are you because if you're knowing all about that you're you're older <laughs> than i i'm realizing yeah i think i'm older than you really you're like ah well yeah um i am uh, 37 37 yeah. at once all at once all at once. I'm going to be 38 this year. Yeah, well, I'm going to be 42 in a few weeks. All right, let's finish these up. Uh, favorite attraction right. at Disney World? Um, favorite attraction at Disney World? There's a lot of good ones. There are. I haven't been to Pandora yet. I heard that's really awesome. Um, I just, I like going to Epcot for some reason. Like I really enjoy that park. Same, same. What that's cause over the years, that's so funny. You say that because I, when I asked this question, when I wrote the question down, I thought he'll be like rock and roller coaster or whatever. But Sarah says to me when we were talking about yeah. it, she goes, well, what's your favorite attraction at Disney world? I said, the world showcase at Epcot. I just like walking around the world showcase, being immersed in these different environments and watching people forget mm -hmm. the rides, forget the shows. I just like being on the world showcase. So it's crazy. That yeah. I've got wild. And I like that, that, um, that Mars ride with, uh, mission Gary space. Sinise. mission yeah. space. Yeah. 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 Now you ride the spinning side, right? You ride like the, the orange side that actually spins you. Yeah. And it's like, every time like those g forces hit you and you're just like your head is like crushed and i'm like is this the time i'm gonna just chuck you, everywhere <laughs> right <laughs> well and if you're claustrophobic because you get in that ride and it's fairly small to begin with yeah. but then that control panel closes towards you and you're literally like yeah. eight inches from the screen <laughs> and you're and the g forces yeah. start whipping around and you're like <laughs> trying to breathe and, and yeah <laughs> kind of a wild experience i dig it i dig it for it sure is. Last question for the magician, David Copperfield or David Blaine? Put me on the spot. It's hard, you know, it's like, it's like saying Sammy Hagar, D David Lee Roth, you know, it's like. <laughs> I will accept the answer of both if that's what you're going with. Yeah, they're both great. They're both they're they're two different people that you cannot or in two different styles you can't right. compare. Right. You know, like if you were to say David Blaine and like Chris Angel or David uh David Copperfield and Chris David, Angel. David Blaine and Chris Angel. David Blaine wins David, every day. David Copperfield <laughs> and Chris Angel. David Copperfield wins every day. <laughs> the worst birthday party magician ever and Chris Angel. <laughs> what can i no say comment. I, no comment yeah well hey I, having been a reform magician i know how the magic community kind of feels there i know what's going on listen dennis where can uh, folks learn more about the cardeni experience at cardeni.com of course k-a-r-d-e-n-n-i.com and it's uh same thing across social cardeni yeah, at Cardeni on Instagram is where I am the uh, the most um, active. 
I have a TikTok, which is magician at Cardeni. I had an at Cardeni, but then I like deactivated it because like, I don't get what this thing is. And then I started to get it and then I couldn't get back to that account. So I had to make a different account. So let it be known. It, it's still searchable, but I can't sign into it. So it's weird. Well, that's weird, but hey, it is what it I is. I even contacted them and they never emailed me back. That's got to be Listen, folks, this is Dennis Free, but you know him as Cardeni. He's a fantastic magician based out of Florida. My man, I'm glad we're friends. It's really nice visiting with you day, today and catching up. We wish you the best for the rest of this year. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Great to see you. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.